Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. Thank you for joining me for part two on Faith is the Victory. Now, today I want to encourage you, if you haven't heard the first part of the message, to tune in to yesterday's broadcast. You can listen to all of the broadcasts on our church website webpage. Go to hrcc7.org, and they're all listed under the broadcast there, so you can listen to yesterday's broadcast as you prepare for today's broadcast. But today, we continue on the theme, Living in Victory. You know, the Bible presents a real and present foe of your faith. His name is the devil. In the Bible, he is a created angel fallen from heaven. And the Greek word is diabolos, from which we get the word diabolical, of course. And it shares in that root name that means to split, right? The devil is a splitter. He is a divider. He is a wedge driver. So if you are one who likes to create division... If you're one that likes to live in drama that would separate one party from the other, you are actually doing the enemy's work. The devil divided Adam from Eve and Eve from God, and he would like to separate you from God as well. You know, he wants to take unbelievers to hell, and he wants to make life hell for believers. Yet even though the Bible clearly describes Satan as a living being, and not simply a symbol of evil, Only a minority of people believe this today. Even some Christians refute the existence of Satan, which couldn't please him more. After all, if people doubt his existence, he is free to work his evil. Don't fall into that trap. Remember that he is a roaring lion seeking to devour. So today we're going to talk about living in victory. That is overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil through faith in God. You know, one of the ways that you know you're living in victory is that you are obeying God. 1 John 2.15 says, don't love the world or the things that are in the world. Do you love the things of the world? I mean, there's nothing wrong with having things, just as long as things don't have you. You see, God gives us all things to enjoy, but only certain things to love. God wants us to love people, love him, so not to love the things of the world. Because if anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, we don't have the capacity to receive God's love if we love the things of this world. This is 1 John 2.15. Verse 16 says, for all that is in the world. What's he talking about when it says, if we love the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from the world. So these are our three foes in our lives, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. All three of these areas are areas that Satan will use when he tempts us. The world is passing away. Thank the Lord for that, right? And all the lust and all the pride that goes along with it, All that is passing away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Lives forever. So we've learned so far that if we're going to be walking in victory, we must be completely controlled, spirit-controlled. We must be controlled by the Spirit. Verse number 13, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. 
So self-control is spirit-controlled. Secondly, we learned that we must be completely hopeful. Set your hope fully on the grace given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As we think about hope, and acrostics for the word hope, hold on, pain ends. Completely trusting God. So it means even when things appear to be hopeless, I still don't lose my hope. As long as matters are remaining hopeful, it's easy to have hope. But hope is what comes to the surface when there appears to be nothing worth having hope for. In Hebrews chapter 6, it talks about a certain hope of being saved. And it's a trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God and himself. Hope waits for the promise, but faith goes for the promise. Hope observes and acknowledges, faith apprehends and acts. Hope says it will happen, faith says it has happened. Hope says I will have it, faith says I have it. How do I have all this hope? I forsake all and I trust him. All my confidence is in Christ and in Christ alone. And then we learned number three yesterday, if we're going to live in victory, we must be completely obedient. Look at verse number 14. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. It was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who said, only he who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. What we obey is what we have our faith in. Peter makes it real simple. His point is very simple. The more mature you are and the more obedient you are to Christ, the more you will know his will and his way. So whoever you are completely obedient to, you are going to be led by that level of obedience. So be completely obedient. Number four, be completely holy. But just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, who are you going to live for? Now, there's only two options, either Christ or yourself. You know, holiness is a little bit like refinishing furniture. I have in my kitchen a table that years ago I refinished. Now, this table was given to us when we were uh, just moving to this area. Uh, This table was given to us back in 1997, I think, or 98, somewhere around that time. And and it was a table that was an old table. And uh, my wife liked this table. It was given to us by friends of ours in the church. And and, uh, it was a sturdy table. It just needed to be refinished. And so I spent a long time doing a two-stage process. First of all, I got a bunch of sandpaper and I got a, uh, an electric sander and I sanded and I sanded and I sanded. I spent hours and hours taking off the old, sanding off the old varnish, the old paint, and we were going to change, completely change the color of the table. We were going to have the legs one color, then the top was going to be another color. And so we took off the old and then the second stage was replacing it with the new. Now, the old is the lies that you have learned to tell, or the lies that you were taught by those around you. 
It is the attitude and the ideas that have become a part of your thinking, but do not reflect reality. The new is the truth. To renew your mind is to involve yourself in the process of allowing God to bring to surface the lies you have mistakenly accepted and replace them with the truth. To the degree that you do this, your behavior will be transformed. You see, God hasn't given us or God hasn't called us to live a life of uncleanness, but to live in holiness. We've got to remove that old and then apply the new. So there are some reminders about victory. If you're living a holy life, that victory may be slow in coming, but I want to give you some reminders about victory. The first reminder is that God is the final judge. In verses 17 and 18, it says, Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not the perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. So I love that phrase that we are strangers here in reverent fear. You see, God is going to judge each man's work. And when he judges it, he judges impartially. So when we think about God being the final judge, he is going to bring judgment on the nations. In Matthew 25, Jesus was very clear. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on the right side and the goats on the left. Here we see the separation of the sheep and the goats. That's called the judgment of the nations. There's also going to be what's called the great white throne judgment, and this is found in Revelation chapter 20. John the Revelator says, the scene is up in heaven, and he says, I saw a great white throne. Can you get this in your mind? You're up in heaven, you see this huge white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, the earth and the sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And then John says, I saw the dead, great and small, it didn't matter if you were president or if you were a popular, great and small, standing before the throne. And then it says the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is called the Book of Life. And the dead were judged with what was written in these books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each of them according to what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Do you get what John is saying here? John is saying that God is going to judge us. This great white throne judgment, where we see Jesus there and the books are being opened. And as he opens up the book called the book of life, that is what's going to judge us. Is our name in the Lamb's book of life? If your name is not in the Lamb's book of life, you will experience what's called the second death, the lake of fire. You'll be thrown into the lake of fire. But there's hope. You don't have to experience that second death. 
The Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You can enjoy the abundant life, but you can more importantly enjoy everlasting life. Life with Christ, all made available because of his death, burial, and resurrection. But then there's another judgment. We talked about the judgment of the nations, the white throne judgment, and then there's the judgment seat of Christ, which is called the Bema judgment. This is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now remember, Paul is writing to believers, the believers at Corinth, saying all believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So this judgment is based upon how we have performed here as followers of Christ. The gifts that God has given us, what have we done with them? Have we used them for good or have we used them for evil? So when we think about victory, remember, God is the final judge. Now, there's something else that we must remember is that victory is in Jesus. Verses 19 to 20. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Victory in Jesus. You know, I've studied the life of John Wesley. John Wesley was an evangelist back in the 1700s. One day he was returning home from a service, and he was robbed. The thief, however, found his victim to have only a very small amount of money in some Christian literature. As the bandit was leaving, Wesley called out, Stop! I have something more to give you. The surprised robber paused. My friend, said Wesley, you may live to regret this sort of life. If you ever do, here's something to remember. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The thief turned away, and Wesley prayed that his words might bear fruit. Years later, Wesley was greeting people after a Sunday service when he was approached by a stranger. What a surprise to learn that this was a visitor who now was a believer in Christ, but was a successful businessman. He was the one who had robbed him years before. This man says, I owe it all to you. Oh no, my friend, Wesley exclaimed, not to me, but to the precious blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Are you feeling defeated and discouraged today? Why don't you trust the precious blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all sin? You know, as I think about life, life is so brief. James says your life is as a vapor that appears for a little while, and then it's gone. Life is also very unpredictable. What's going to happen tomorrow is unknown. And nobody knows what's around the next band. Life is unpredictable. If we don't know what a day may bring forth, this may be the very last day of your life. This may be the best day of your life. This may be the worst day of your life. I'm not sure what this day is holding for you, but I know the precious blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. There's something else that we must remember about victory. 
God is the final judge. And I'm so glad for that because oftentimes our motives can be misjudged. Oftentimes our intentions can be wrongly taken. But God is the final judge. Victory is in Jesus, his precious blood. He was that lamb without blemish or defect. He has chosen us because he was chosen before the creation of the world. And number three, faith and hope are the deciding factor. Verse 21 says, Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. You see, we walk by faith, not by sight. So don't throw away the confidence that you have in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward that comes along with it. My wife and I had the opportunity several years ago to go to the Biltmore Estate. And we saw this beautiful estate that was built by the money that had left by George Vanderbilt. And as I think about the inheritance that we have, we have victory in Christ through the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a far greater inheritance than anyone else could leave us. That inheritance is given to us all because of the blessings of Jesus Christ himself. Look at your life. I want to ask you a question. How blessed is your life? If you were to have it on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your blessing? What is the level of blessing in your life? Billy Graham lived to be almost 100 years old. As a U.S. Congressional Committee is expected to approve the design for the new Billy Graham statue, this statue is going to stand in the Capitol uh, National Statutory Hall representing North Carolina. In January of 2000, leaders of Charlotte, North Carolina, invited their favorite son, Billy Graham, to a luncheon in his honor. Well, Billy initially hesitated to accept the invitation because he was struggling with his Parkinson's disease. But the Charlotte leaders said, we don't expect a major address. Just come and let us honor you. So he agreed. After wonderful things were said about him, Dr. Graham stepped up to the podium, looked at the crowd, and said, I'm reminded today of Albert Einstein, the great physicist, who this month had been honored by Time magazine as the man of the century. Einstein was once traveling from Princeton on a train when the conductor came down the aisle punching the tickets of every passenger. When he came to Einstein, Einstein reached into his vest pocket and he couldn't find his ticket. So he reached into his trousers pocket and it wasn't there. He looked in his briefcase, but he couldn't find it. Then he looked in the seat behind him. He still couldn't find it. The conductor said, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. Einstein nodded appreciatively. The conductor continued down the aisle, punching tickets. As he was ready to move to the next car, he turned around and he saw the great physician down on his hands and knees, looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor rushed back to him and said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't worry. I know who you are. No problem. You don't need a ticket. I'm sure you bought one. 
Einstein looked at him and said, Young man, I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. Having said that, Billy Graham continued, See the suit I'm wearing? It's a brand new suit. My children and my grandchildren are telling me I've gotten a little slow in my old age. I used to be a bit more speedy on my feet. So I went out and I bought a new suit for this luncheon and one more occasion. You know what that one occasion is? This is the suit which I'll be buried in. But when you hear that I'm dead, I don't want you to immediately remember the suit I'm wearing. I want you to know I not only know who I am, I know where I'm going. Knowing where you're going is such a wonderful ray of hope, knowing that the future is bright. Somebody wrote these words. I'm not sure who the author is. But the words say, May your troubles be less, your blessings more, and may you have nothing but happiness come through your door. Life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. As Christ followers, we know where we're going. Just like Billy Graham says, having that assurance, we should always be aware that the most important kindness we could ever do to another person is show how they can find their destination too. Carry one with you in your pocket. Carry a copy of God's Word with you wherever you go. Share it with others. As we look at the wonderful victory that God has given to us, I think of the 100th Psalm. And as I think about the victory that we have in Christ, it should be a reminder to always give thanks, no matter what situation we find ourselves in. I want to close off the broadcast today by reading a portion of the book of Psalms. And uh, I'm going to read Psalm 100 to you today. Make just a few comments on it. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's really a, a grateful shout of praise, thanking the Lord for the victory that he gives us. The psalmist begins by saying, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, this is an emphatic command, shout for joy to the Lord. We're shouting because we have the victory. Number two, verse number two, worship the Lord with gladness. Oh, I want you to go to church this Sunday, not down in the mouth, not discouraged, not defeated, but you're to worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. I love joyful songs, right? Don't they lift up your spirits? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Singing songs of praise, songs of encouragement. Verse number three, know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us and we are not his. Now, if you can trust in that passage, verse number three, knowing that the Lord is good and that he made us and we are his, we are the people of his pasture, we are the sheep of his pasture, it will change your life. Knowing that he is in control. Verse number four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Thank you, Lord, for this powerful word taken from the word of God. A psalm of giving grateful thanks to the Lord. I've discovered something about gratitude. The more grateful I am, the happier I am. You see, 
Happy people are not grateful. Grateful people are happy. That is what produces happiness in our lives. Giving thanks to the Lord. Entering into His gates with thanksgiving. Entering into His courts with praise. Praising His name, for He is good. His love endures forever. Well, today, if I can pray for you, I'd be honored to do that. Would you shoot me a text at 252-267-2365, and I'll be happy to pray for you. And if you'd like me to share that prayer request with our prayer team on Thursday morning, we would be honored to pray for you. You see, God has blessed us beyond our wildest imaginations. He is a good God. He is a holy God, and He loves you unconditionally. Now, He expects us to live in obedience, but He loves us unconditionally. What a mighty God we serve. So join me tomorrow as we look at a different psalm of encouragement. We're going to look at Psalm 1 tomorrow on the Friday broadcast. Well, let me give you that number one more time. If I can pray for you or if there's anything that I can help you with, 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for joining me today. Read Psalm 1 in preparation for the broadcast tomorrow. Psalm 1 for the broadcast tomorrow. God bless you. We look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.